Um, I wasn't actually going to mention anything in, in the message today uh, about the events this week. I'm going to hopefully talk about it next week. Um, I thought I was going to be able to preach today, but not <laughs> I'm not sure right now. Um, Uh, for those of you that maybe are wondering what in the world's the got this chronic for uh, this Friday, past Friday, I witnessed a potential double homicide. I saw saw it happen, and then the the gunman and the the guy. There was two guys, so the um, the driver and stuff. They came and chased after me then, and high speed chase throughout the city, and uh, I eventually was able to get away. And, uh, ironic, we're doing a series called Don't Waste Your Life, huh? <laughs> uh, I really thought mine was going to end. Appreciate all the uh, prayers and the phone calls and the texts and the uh, emails and Facebook posts and everything. You guys have been great. I, I appreciate that. And uh, you can just pray. I want to preach today's message. I, I think God has something he, he wants you to hear today. Anyway, like I say, next week we're going to wrap up the series and we're supposed to do a completely different message and I've already decided no. I've already learned enough from the events of this past week that I, I want to share uh, some of it with you. But in the meantime, if you can uh, just sort of pray for me here this morning and continue to pray for me in the uh, coming weeks, it's you know emotionally been pretty tough to think that somebody wanted to kill you. And uh, even this morning... Uh, George didn't even realize it probably happened, but we were setting up, and I was bent over doing something, and he was getting his drums ready, and he, like, cracked one of the snares, and it, like, the pop right behind me, it just brought back the, the thing, and I had a little bit of a panic attack in that moment and had to leave because my heart was just, you know, racing really, really fast. Anyway, um, so let, let's just pray. Father God, uh, Lord, I need you right now more than I've ever needed you before. With the exception of maybe Friday. We thank you for that. Uh, Lord, I, I know that you have a word that you want me to speak to your people this morning. A word that's going to hopefully change their lives. And so, uh, Father, just give me the, the strength and the, the ability to, to speak that I don't even have in my own strength right now. God, use me. Speak through me, through the power of your spirit. Father, thank you for your protection on Friday and your wisdom and your guidance right now. That's all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you uh, 
that haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we have been doing this series called Don't Waste Your Life, and we've been looking at a, a great story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25, where there's these guys that uh, the master has sort of come in, and, and he's entrusted some of his stuff to these guys. And uh, two of the guys end up doing really, really well. One of the guys, not so well. And we've been seeing that there's a lot of parallels in this story to our our own lives, that God has given all of us abilities that, you know, we're going to be held accountable for. What did you do with these abilities that I've given to you? And then last week we started looking at how God has given you financial resources that you're going to be held accountable for as well. And I shared with you, you know, there's really four core beliefs that Lisa and I have about finances that allowed us to become basically financially free. And I was only able to share two of those beliefs last week, and we're just going to continue today and give you the uh, other two. But uh, just as a brief recap, in case you weren't with us, we uh, looked at this uh, scripture in Luke 16, verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. And what I shared with you was, a really core principle that what you believe determines how you behave, right? What what you believe about things in life, your your core beliefs, that will determine your actions then in life. And I said the same thing happens with finances. You've got to have these these beliefs about finances that are in line with God's word and and what God believes about finances, or you're going to make bad decisions when it comes to your finances. And so I gave you, again, the, the first two beliefs last week, but let's recover them real quick. First one was this, that I understand that I'm not the owner of anything, but simply a manager of God's stuff. What we need to understand is that every single thing that we have belongs to God. None of it's yours. So when you get a paycheck, it's not your paycheck. It's something that God gave to you. You are a manager of that. You're a steward of it. You can't just do with it whatever you want. And so we looked at four things that are sort of part of God's plan of what would God have for you to do with the money. As soon as you get that paycheck, what are you supposed to do with it? We said the first thing is this, that you've got to tithe. Tithe simply means 10%. So it's all his anyway, and you give that first 10% back to him. And what that's basically doing is you're showing God that, look, money doesn't control me. I control what you have given to me, God. It's all yours anyway, so I'm just returning back to you what was rightfully yours. And then we talked about that we've got to live within our means, that after you have that first 10% that you've given to God, you don't just go out and spend the other 90%. No, you, you, you live within your means. You want to set another percentage aside that is used for things like emergencies and, and major purchases. So when you need a new car, you can pay cash for a car, uh, saving up for the future for retirement. So that's all a part of that. And then God wants you to be generous. So you tithe, that's just simply returning, that's not giving, that's just returning, then you live within your means, and then to give, to be generous is above and beyond all that, and so you start to give, you're generous, and then once you've done all that, whatever remains, that's the part that you can spend however you want. God says, man, you're doing really, really good, you've been, been faithful with this, and so now go out and blow it. Guilt-free spending is what we talked about last week, that you can... Spend it however you want, obviously, as long as it's moral and legal and ethical. But, um, so that, that's sort of the, the, the plan that, that God wants you to have. And again, we, we've got to keep in mind that he, he is the owner of it all. 
And that really leads to the second thing. Since he is the owner of it all, number two, what we talked about was that I understand that God will hold me accountable for my management of his stuff. See, one day God's going to look all of us in the eye and he's going to say, what did you do with my stuff? I gave it to you. What did you do with it? And hopefully, like the first two guys in the parable of the talents that we heard about, they did good with the master's stuff. And they hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servants. Come now, enter into your master's happiness. But the last guy, he had blown it. He had buried it. And the master says, cast him out into the outer darkness. And see, all of us, it's going to be something similar to that. We're going to be held accountable. What did you do with my stuff? Are you going to hear those words, well done? Or are you going to have you know, displeasure from God because of your stewardship? All right, then let, let's continue on now. Belief number three that Lisa and I have adopted, and I pray that you'll do as well. And that is that I want to invest in things that will make an eternal difference. You know, I just turned 40 this year, and I've been reflecting on that I'm probably at least halfway through my life. And obviously Friday I got a little closer than what I would have liked to having the end, but but I'm probably about at that, that midway point. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about, all right, what, what do I want to do with this money that God has entrusted to me? And I've made a commitment to just even more so, and I talked about this a little bit last week, even more so, I just want to keep giving more and more and more of it away and investing in the things that are going to last for eternity. Not just stuff right here and now, but what's going to be the greatest maximum impact I can make with the stuff that God has given me that will outlast me. We talked about it last week that, you know, with Monopoly, that even if you win Monopoly, even if you've got all the stuff, at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. And one day we're all going to get put in a box called a coffin. And you can't take any of it with you, so why don't you send some of it ahead? And the only way you do that is you, you invest it in the things that are important to God. Back in the, the story, Luke 16 Remember, the, the manager here, he knows that he hasn't been a, a very good manager, and he's about to get fired. And so in verses 3 and 6, we read this. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job, and I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill. Sit down quickly and make it 450. Now, you see what's happening here? He knows he's about to lose his job. And so he goes to the people that owe his master money. And he says, man, how, how much do you owe? And the guy's like, I owe 900. And he's like, 900? That's a lot. Tell you what, make it 450. And the guy's like, really? And he's like, yeah, really, just 450 and then we'll call it even. And the guy's like, man, thank you very much. I mean, that, that's phenomenal. You know, if there's ever anything I can do for you, you just let me know. And the manager's got to be thinking, there's going to be something you can do for me, all right? And that's going to be sooner than what you think it was. He knows he's about to lose his job. He's going to call in that favor pretty soon. Continuing on then in verse 7. He says, then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. Same thing is happening here. He just saved this guy 200 bushels of wheat. And the guy's like, man, thank you very much. If there's ever anything I can do for you, please just, you let me know. 
And the manager's probably going, can I get your cell phone number? Because I'm, I'm going to probably give you a call later this week, you know, and uh, I'm going to call in that favor. And so what's so weird about this, this story is this manager, he's been somewhat dishonest with everything. And you would think that as Jesus tells the story that he's going to come down hard. But here's the surprise twist to the whole thing. Verses uh, 8 and 9. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. And then Jesus adds these words. He says, For the people of, the wor- of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is one of the most confusing parables in Scripture. I, I don't get all of it myself, but here's a little bit that I do get out of it. Jesus is making it clear that what we do with our stuff here, how we spend our money here, somehow impacts eternity. And again, I, I don't understand all of it, but what you do with your money here will impact eternity. Now, he's a little bit clearer about this in Matthew 6. We'll begin with verse 19. Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth. Moths and rust can destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal. Now, to be clear here, Jesus isn't saying, like, you know, don't have nice things. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, don't allow the things of this world to become your treasure. That it's like, man, I've got to have that, and it becomes this all-consuming passion. I've got to get this thing, whatever it may be. How many of you have ever seen Lord of the Rings? How many nerds we have here? All right. Wow, lots of nerds. Very good. Okay. How many of you uh, remember there was a, a character, his name was Smeagol or Gollum. You remember who I'm talking about? What did he lose? He lost the ring. What did he call the ring? Yeah, how'd he say it? My precious. I've lost my precious. Gotta find my precious. That's how some of you treat your cell phone. My precious. (laughs) Now, spoiler alert here. Gollum dies chasing after his precious. And my fear is that's the same thing that many of you are doing. You are so consumed with chasing after your precious. These things that you treasure here on the earth, you're so consumed with getting it and keeping it that the only thing it's really doing is it's keeping you from Jesus. And and Jesus is saying here, look, don't go after treasure here on the earth because moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and steal it all. Instead, he says this. Look at verses uh, 20 and 21. He says, instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them and thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will always be where your treasure is at. See, what we've got to realize is that God owns it all anyway. It's all his. And so we've got to live our lives with open hands where anything that God puts in our hand, we don't hold on to it tight going, my precious. But we live with an open hand saying, God, you put it into my hand, and at any time you want, you can take it out of my hand. Because it wasn't mine to begin with. 
But see, anytime we start to close that hand tight on your paycheck or, you know, your house or your car or clothes or stuff for your kids, anytime you start holding tight to those things, that becomes your treasure. And what Jesus is trying to say here to us is simply this. That's not going to work. It just simply isn't going to work. Basically, he's saying it's impossible to remain neutral about something that you have money invested into. Anything you invest money into, that's where your heart is going to be. That's why so many of you, you're like, you live and die by your favorite sports team. You know, if your team wins, you're happy all week long. If your team loses, you're miserable all week long. Why? Because you've got your treasure there. You've bought tickets, you've bought team merchandise, you've bought that big screen TV so you can watch the game better. Your treasure, your, your, your money has gone there, and, and that's the thing that you treasure, and that's why it impacts your heart so much. Because it's got hold of you. Again, Jesus says, this just can't be. So that's why we've got to invest in the things that are important to God. See, some of you haven't given your heart fully to God because... You haven't given him your treasure. You're, you're living with a closed hand. We've got to open up that hand. See, what you're doing is you're spending money on wrong things and you're putting your hope and your trust in money instead of in Jesus. But look at what the Apostle Paul teaches to uh, Timothy. Timothy was a sort of a protege uh, of Paul. And he, he, Paul's like really trying to pour into this guy's life and, and, and Timothy's like sort of pastoring a church. And he's like, man, here, here's some things you need to teach your people. And Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6:17, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. So he says, look, tell the rich, don't, don't put their trust in money. Now, I know most of you, as soon as I say, you know, something like that, you're going, man, good thing I'm not rich. But here's the deal, you are. You're very, very rich. Did you know that if your family household income is $50,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealthiest people? You're going, well, my family doesn't make that much. Well, let me say this. Did you know that if you make minimum wage and you work 40 hours a week, you're in the top 3% of the world's wealthiest people? See, we, we're rich. Now, you don't feel rich because you compare yourself to other people around you. But this scripture, this, this warning to rich people, it applies to us. Now, I know some of you are going, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. But let me tell you, you are. Let me give you a little, little bit of a, a test here this morning. If you went to the closet this morning and you said, I don't know what to wear. And you said that not because you literally didn't have anything to wear, but because you had so many options of what to wear, then you're rich. If you've ever had leftovers of food, you're rich. Did you know there's many, many places in this world that they don't even have a word for leftovers because it's such a foreign concept to them that you would have so much food that you, you didn't eat it all in one meal and you actually had leftovers? If you've ever had food spoil in your refrigerator, you're rich. 
again, many third world countries, the, the concept of that not only did you have food for this meal, but then you have this box that there's more food in that you can go and get at any time you want. And not only did you have so much of it in there, but then you let some of it go bad. Again, that would just boggle the mind of the majority of people that live in this world. If you've ever complained about the internet signal on your cell phone, you're rich. See, so Paul's saying, look, tell the rich people not to trust in money. And then he continues on in verses 18 and 19. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And see, there it is again. Not only has Jesus said it, but now Paul has said it as well, that how you spend money here on the earth impacts eternity. Two times now we've seen that we're not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth. So the question is, okay, how do I invest money then that will truly make a difference? If your heart's always going to be where your treasure is at, Shouldn't you make sure that your treasure is going to the place where God's heart is at? Because if that's where it's going, then your heart's going to be where God's heart's at. Does that make sense? Guess where God says that you should invest your treasure to make an eternal difference? It's in the church. Jesus came to die for the church. He said, the church is my body. The, the physical representation of me on the earth is my church. And so if you want to maximize the impact, you give to your local church. That's how you sort of store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. Now, I know some of you are going, but Gilbert, I, I want to invest in my university that I graduated from. You know what? You can do that, but here's the deal. It's only temporary. Because when you invest in your university, all you've really done is help people be a little bit smarter when they die. Some of you go, well, I want to invest like in a hospital or, or St. Jude's or, or cancer research. That's what I want to invest my money in. And listen, I'm going to say this as somebody that has had loved ones that have passed away from cancer and, and suffered with it miserably. I hope we find a cure. But even if you invest your money in it and they find a cure, you know what you've done? You've just helped people extend their lives by a couple years. Not eternal it was just a temporary difference and so i want to make sure that we're investing in something that's going to make an eternal difference not not something that's just making a, a temporal difference you know i want to thank you guys that because of your generosity here at exponential over the past three plus years we have been able to see hundreds of people come into a relationship with jesus that will last for eternity that wasn't temporary. That's eternal. And I thank you that because of your generosity right now over in the children's wing. Do we have wings here? I guess that's a theater. <laughs> over in the children's theater. Kids are learning about Jesus on their level. And it's been amazing for me standing out in the lobby. So many times, you know, kids will come up to say goodbye and, and I'll ask them, you know, how was things today in, in, in children's church? And just the excitement that the kids have so often. I don't know about you guys, but when I grew up going to church, I was bored to death. 
My parents had to drag me to church. I didn't want to be there. But yet, if you think about it, you know, our, our generation has done an okay job of keeping the gospel going. And, and that's us that hated church growing up. Imagine what's going to happen when a generation of kids that have loved Jesus for all their lives are now in charge of the church. How much better is it going to be? How much more of an impact is it going to be? See, that will last forever. You know, one of the things that uh, we had hoped to have done by now here at Exponential was to plant more churches. And two weeks ago, uh, Chad and myself, and I see actually Chuck Frank, our church planning director, is with us today. Uh, we met, it was what, 10, 10 churches all together? Uh, 10 different churches from Pennsylvania to North Carolina uh, were represented in this meeting that we had. And we got together for a two-day retreat just to talk about what would it look like for us as these 10 churches to plant more churches together. See, our denomination's doing a great job right now of planting churches, but what we really need is churches planting churches, not denominations planting churches. And we want to be involved in that. And so when you give money here and invest in what's happening at Exponential, I'll tell you right now, and we've done it in the past, we've already helped other churches uh, get started, but... Again, that was more on the denominational level. When you invest here in Exponential now, part of the money that's going to be going out the door is going to be helping this group get more churches started. So you're going to have a part in that. And that's going to make an eternal difference because, again, we're going to be investing in the best thing ever, and that is churches. The thing that Jesus died for. The thing that Jesus said, this is my bride. Here's my prayer for you. That one day you'll be in heaven and somebody's going to come up to you and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you gave to Exponential and Exponential then helped get churches started. My church that got started in Virginia Beach or my church that got started in Fort Lauderdale or we've got, what, uh, 10 or 12 locations that we're looking at right now, you know, just all up and down the East Coast that we're looking at. That they'll say, I was a part of a church plant there and I heard the message of forgiveness that Jesus loves me and that Jesus died for my sins. And I became a follower of Jesus there. And it's because you invested that that church could even get started and I was able to hear the gospel. See, that will last for eternity. So again, we, we've got to invest in the things that are important to Jesus. Number four, I understand that how I handle money is the number one indicator of how my relationship with Jesus is going. You know, Jesus doesn't say that it's hard to be his follower. He doesn't say that it's going to be tough to be his follower. He says it's impossible to be my follower if you're still the one in control of your money. Because if you're in control of your money, that's where your heart's going to be. It's going to be in all kinds of things that it shouldn't be in. He says, invest in eternal things. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, Gilbert, you know, this sounds good. I want to be generous. I, I want to give, and I'll give when I have more. But here's the truth. No, you won't. Study after study after study has been done that shows that the more you have, the less likely it is that you're to give. And we don't even need studies for this. Jesus actually talks about it. Luke 16, verses 10 to 12. This is right after he's told the story of the, the manager, the dishonest manager who gets commended. Jesus starts talking about, you know, that how you spend your money here is going to impact eternity. Here, here's how he continues. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. 
So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Saying, look, if you couldn't figure out how to handle money and stuff here, why am I going to entrust you with more stuff in heaven that is real wealth? He said, you've got to learn to do it here. And I'll illustrate it for you this way. Imagine that you had a friend that you needed them to run an errand for you, and it was going to cost $100 for them to, to do this particular errand. So you give them the 100 and then you find out that they went out and blew it. And then they come back to you and they say, yeah, I know, I didn't really handle that well, but if you give me $500, I'm pretty sure this time I'll be able to do it for you. How many of you are giving him money? No. Why? Because of this principle Jesus is talking about. If you're not faithful with a little, why would I entrust you with more? And some of you whine and you complain about, oh, why is my situation financially the way that it is? It's because you're not being faithful with little. God's not going to give you more until you're faithful with the little bit that he's given you. So you've got to get on a plan. You've got to take these principles that we've been talking about and start to apply it. Jesus continues on then in verse 13. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. This is one of the most fascinating verses to me in the scripture. Because you would have thought that Jesus would have said, you can't serve both God and Satan. Or you can't serve both God and yourself. But instead he says, you can't serve both God and money. Why would he say that? Very simple. He knew that money was going to be the number one competitor that he would have for your heart. That if there was going to be anything that would trip up your faith and your Christianity, it would be how you handle finances. Money is just one of those things where you're just so, so drawn to it. And, you know, we had a great example of it this week on my blog. Now, obviously, the last couple of days with all the events going on, blog traffic went way up. But, you know, there, there's sort of a, a typical number of, of hits that I get per day on my, uh, on my blog. On, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday, I posted a thing about how you can be financially free. You know what I saw? Traffic went up four times the amount that day and over the next couple of days. Why? Because money is the thing everybody wants to hear about. You know, I, I have all kinds of other topics that I talk about on there, and it's sort of flat lines, you know, and you may be into But all of a sudden, money, everybody wanted to hear about money. How can I be financially free? See, it's because that's where your heart's at. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, what's funny is everybody's interested in it, but then they don't want to hear anything that the church has to say about it. In fact, I get people occasionally, they'll, they'll get mad at me. Why are you preaching about money again? You know, it's none of your business. Yeah, it is my business. I'll tell you why it's my business. Because of what Jesus said. This isn't a money issue that we're talking about today. This is a heart issue that we're talking about. See, it isn't about what you may do with money one day. It's about what are you doing with money today? That's what's really important. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
People get all bent out of shape. Oh, the church shouldn't be talking about that. Yes, we should. It's a spiritual issue, not a financial issue. And so again, the, even with all that, people get bent out of shape and they give all kinds of reasons, you know, why it won't work for them and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if you think about it, it isn't, it isn't crazy. You think it's crazy, but it's not. It's just that you're choosing to serve Visa instead of Jesus. That's all. Oh, Gilbert, you shouldn't say things like that. Yes, I should, because it's the truth. You've made a choice. And people get all upset. But Look at verse 14. Jesus actually talks about you. It says, the Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and ridiculed them. So congratulations, you're on Team Pharisee. Same guys that killed Jesus, by the way, in case you didn't know that. If you think it's all crazy, if you have this love of money, Jesus is talking about you. Look, I, I don't have the full picture of your financial life. But I do know that priority number one that God says that proves that you control your finances and it doesn't control you is the tithe. That you're to take that first 10% and you're to return it back to God. And so this morning, I want to thank the 12%. I was doing financial statements this week, so I was able to find the numbers. I want to thank the 12% of you that are tithing. To the other 88% of you, it's not acceptable. Again, not because of finances, but because this is the biggest spiritual indicator in your life. And so I want to challenge you to, to get your priorities where they need to be. Again, Jesus talks about this and the excuses that we have of why we're the ones that can't do it. Verse 15 says, Jesus said to them, you try to justify your actions in front of people, but God knows what's in your hearts. What is important to humans is disgusting to God. See, we have this obsession with cars and, and houses and, and clothing and, and buying all kinds of stuff for our kids. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. As long as that doesn't come before what God has commanded you to do. So we've got to get the tithe in first and follow God's plan. And then again, you can have all the guilt-free spending. And here's what Jesus said about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all the other things will be given to you as well. So when you seek God and you start doing things the way God wants you to do, all of a sudden he throws open the floodgates of heaven. He pours out so much blessing on you and you don't even have room enough to contain it all. It's what Scripture says. So are you going to trust God? Or are you going to trust your accountant? you going to trust God? Or are you going to trust your own wisdom of, of how to handle finances? And even though maybe you, you've been struggling for a while, you're still like, no, I know the right way to do it. See, we all got choices to make. But again, realize this is a hard issue. I'll wrap up with this. 
Uh, I mentioned last week that, look, I, I don't want something from you. I want something for you in this. So when it comes to the tithe, if you don't trust me and you don't trust what we're doing at Exponential, number one, I don't know why you're here, but um, man, it's the truth, right? I mean, why would you keep coming to a place that, but anyway. Uh, but we want you to get plugged in, and if this isn't a place for you, get plugged into a church where you can get on board with the vision and, and what's going on. But here's the deal. If, if for whatever reason you like me preaching and all that kind of stuff, but you're like, I don't trust him with the finances, that's fine. Look up another church that you trust in the Harrisburg area and start mailing your tithe checks to them. See, again, it's not about getting more money for exponential. This is about you getting spiritually where you need to be so that your heart is where it needs to be. And it's about you investing in things that are going to last for eternity, not just temporal things right here and now. Uh, again, if, if you're on board with our vision here at Exponential, you know, to, to help people take life-changing next steps in their journey towards God, then, man, you know, again, thank you to the 12% of you that are, but the other 88% of you, it's time to step up. There's so many wonderful things that God wants us to be able to do here in the area. You know, and even the events of the past week, it's given me some, you know, other things. It's like, man, there's just so much stuff here that God says the solution to is the church. And I'm not talking about exponentialchurch.tv right now. I'm talking about the church the body of Christ, all of the churches here in Harrisburg. And we need to come together and we need to solve some of these problems so that in broad daylight you don't have guys just shooting people and chasing after others. But it takes money. I love what one of my mentors from afar, his name is Bill Hybels, says, that the local church is the hope of the world. not the military as good as what the military is that's not the hope of the world it's not our school system as good as what school systems are that's not the hope of the world it's not you know government okay <laughs> that's not the answer the church is the answer but you've got to get to the place where you realize that i don't own anything it's all god's stuff and I'm going to be held accountable for what I've done with that. And once you realize that, man, to start saying, what can I do that's going to make the biggest impact that's going to last for all of eternity? What, what can I do with that? How can I invest? Does this make sense this morning? All right, let, let's pray. Father God, thank you. Uh, First of all, Lord, that you uh, help me to just uh, get through today's message. And, uh, Lord, I am just so humbled and, and grateful for who you are and, and all that you do for me and, and the many ways that you've blessed me, both from a financial standpoint and even with divine protection this past week. And, Lord, as I've said throughout this uh, series, this isn't about exponential. This isn't about wanting something from people. This is wanting something for people. And so, Lord, I, I pray that um, you would just touch us right now and, and just cement into our hearts and our minds that money and stuff is the number one indicator of our relationship with you. 
that if you don't have our wallet, you don't have our checkbook, you don't have our, our visa cards, then you don't have our hearts. And, and Lord, we, we looked a couple months ago at that fan or follower, uh, not a fan series, and, and are we fans or are we followers? And Lord, we don't want to just simply be fans. We want to be followers of yours. And you said that starts by being faithful with the tithe to return back to me what is rightfully mine. And God, again, I don't want us just to stop with that. I hope our, our heart is so filled with love and gratitude of who you are and all that you do for us and that the church is the hope of the world, that, that God, we would be generous above and beyond that so that we can just eradicate all the the evil and the darkness that's not just in our city, but in cities all across our nation and all around the world. Lord, help life not to be about us and our comfort and our convenience. Help us to start to live with an eternal perspective. God, thank you again for all that you're doing throughout this series. Help us not to waste our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.